right, well, if you would open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy, and if you've been here for a few weeks, you already know how this message is going to start. Deuteronomy means second law, and we have this second generation of Israelites come out of the land of Egypt, the first generation, these guys' parents, of course, got all the way to the promised land by way of Mount Sinai through the wilderness, led by God's own mighty hand through miracles, through victories, you name it, God did it, fed them from his own hand with manna from heaven, supplied water from the rock. They get to the promised land after seeing the most extravagant and incredible workings that God had ever done since the creation of the universe. And they get to the promised land and they see giants. They see big, scary people. And immediately they lose heart. Out of the 12 spies, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, say, it doesn't matter how big the people are. It only matters how big your God is. I'll say that again. It doesn't matter how big the people are. It doesn't matter how big the problem is. What matters is how big is your God? And we've talked about this before. Our faith or lack thereof is expressed so often through our prayers. If somebody says, well, you pray for me, I have a headache. Oh, Lord, touch and heal the headache. If that doesn't work, take some Excedrin and you'll be fine, okay? Uh, somebody comes though and says, hey, listen, I've been giving uh, a terminal illness. I have a terminal illness. I've been just given this diagnosis. I have eight months to live. Oh, Lord, get the oil and, the, and, and, and pray. We're going to gather together. And we're going to lay hands in all, of the, in all of these things. But if somebody was to come and say, look, I, I lost a finger like Marty, right? Where's Marty at? There he is. I chopped my own finger off in the wood splitter, all right? I'm sick to death of not having this finger. Could you pray that the Lord would give me a new finger? Now, Marty, listen. God doesn't do that kind of thing, except for in lizards and some octopuses somewhere. You know, he doesn't grow things back. And, and when I learned this lesson, what the preacher said was, let me ask you a question. Is it any harder for God to bring back a finger than to heal a headache? Of course it's not. And so he says, what matters is your faith. What matters is how big is your God? The problem the, the, or problems, the circumstances of life, None of that is what matters. What matters is who your God is. And the Bible tells us that we can take refuge in him. Not only can we take refuge in him, he beckons to us. He calls to us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will, not I might, not if I feel like it, not if I'm in the mood. That's everybody else in your life. I will give you rest. God wants us to find our rest and our joy and our peace in him. In this world, Jesus said, again, not you might, not you may, not pro you will have tribulation. You will have hard times. You are going to lose people. You are going to get sick. You are going to have financial difficulties. You are going to lose your job. You are going to see people that you love far away from God and the kingdom and not know how to bring them back. You are going to have all of these horrible things that everyone since the dawn of time has experienced. That's what life is because we live in a fallen world. It's fallen because of sin. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And so in this world, we see it surrounded and encapsulated with death. Death is everywhere. It's all over. And men do wicked things to one another. It's never, ever because of God. 
It's because of sin. And it's because God had to give man free will choice. It's the only way that true love and relationship can be expressed is through choice. If you don't have a say in the matter, if you don't have a choice in the matter, then it's not true love. You can't have a relationship with someone where it's forced. It doesn't work. It has to be expressed through free will choice and through love. And God allowed that in us. He could have created robots if he wanted to. He could have done that. He could have made us like the stupid birds. You know what I mean? We got bird feeders out here now. What a mess, you know? But Nikki had to have bird feeders, you know what I mean? The birdies, you know. Yes, they're so cute and they're chubby and they beep, beep, beep. And you know what comes out of the other end? The whole trampoline is white. It's supposed to be black on it's white from the birds. And, but, but a stupid bird has is, is got this wonderful thing. And if you have eyes of faith, you see what I see. When I go out there in my bathrobe and my mug of coffee in the morning, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the birds and everything, every song, every note. You know what I hear? Jesus, Jesus. They give glory to Almighty God. And their lives are terrible, really. You know, when you think of the life of a beast, you know what I mean? I see the rabbit and I go, oh, I hope that stray cat doesn't get you, buddy. That's a, that's a terrible end for you right there. And yet that little rabbit doesn't think about anything other than living out its life. And in its own way, it brings glory to God. We're too full of ourselves. We think we're too smart. And we've got to, we've got to figure all this and stuff out. And listen, you've got to put your life in the hands of the Creator and praise his holy name and say, even in this, God, will I praise you. Even in this, will I trust you. As Job said, the Lord is given and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But this I know, that when my flesh is destroyed, I will see my creator face to face. That's the hope that you and I have. It's the soon appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or if it's our death that comes before that, it's that when we close our eyes in death, we will open our eyes in eternity and we will be with him. That's the focus. And so we pray, Lord, help me not be distracted. Even by the blessings. So often, you know what? It's not the hardships, it's not the hard times that get me off track and off focus. So often it's the good things in this life. It's the blessings of this life. And I get so preoccupied with those things. Like, 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 and, I, and I felt attacked in Deuteronomy a little bit, okay? When, when God says Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. He, and then it's worse. He says, you're obese. And I'm reading it and I'm like, I'm reading here. You know what I mean? I feel attacked right now. Lord, why? And he says, well, go look in the mirror, chubs, and I'll tell you. You know, but you, what he means there is you grew fat and kicked. And what it means is because of all these great blessings that I've brought into your life and because of all these wonderful things, you've lost focus and your focus has been taken off of the one who blessed you with all of these wonderful things and you've been absolutely encompassed and taken over. And this blessing has now become an idol in your life. You see, because anything that I have that comes before God and priority in my life is an idol. It doesn't have to be some little golden statue. We don't, we don't do that anymore. We know better now. But I got all sorts. I got mechanical idols. And I got green idols. And I got this person that might be an idol. This relationship. 
or this thing or that thing. And God is constantly calling and beckoning to us, come to me, come to me. Everything in your life will have more rest, will have more peace. You don't understand. It's a peace that passes understanding. I, God is not here to give you everything that you want. God is not the Easter bunny or Santa Claus or a genie that you pop out of the Bible when you rub it. Or oh, come on, sevens, you know, Lord, I need a new job. That's not what God is. He is everything. He is to be your all in all. He is to be the breath that you take, the air that you breathe, the nature that you see, the life that you live, the relationships that you have. God, may you be all in all. May you surround it and encompass it and permeate it and make everything in my life a part of your plan and not my plan. That's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. And that's what God wants everyone to have. But as Jesus said, wide is the way. Wide is the way and easy the path that leads to destruction. And many, many go that way. Many find it. Because, and he doesn't say and or yet, he says because. Why do they take the easy way? Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the path that leads to eternal life. And there are few that find it. Because in this world, you're going to have persecution. And Paul said it best, if it was only for this life, we had hope in Christ, we would be above all men the most pitiable. Why would you do that? Why would you go through what they went through? Because their eyes were fixed and focused on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of their faith. And so Peter, when he watched his family put to death before his eyes, he cried out to his wife, woman, look to thy savior. How do you do that? How do you do that? I can't do it when the cable goes out. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm doing one of my home projects that ends up being a home demolition project. You know what I mean? Because I can't get this thing to work. And yeah, you know what I mean? lose my mind. They're in dungeons. They're in chains. They're in the deep. They're being beaten. Their family's being killed. And all they see is Jesus. How do you do it? I got to find something I haven't found yet. It's clear. And as I've heard a, a, a pastor say before, I have all of him. You know what the problem is? He doesn't have all of me. I turn around and he's there. I look up and he's there. I open my eyes and he's there. I come back from the furthest place from him I've ever been and he's there because he never leaves you and he never forsakes you and he truly is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I run from him. Why? You know the angels, they must be thinking. You know, the Bible says we're witnesses to the unseen realm. You know what I mean? I'm convinced my guardian angel, if there's, if there's a guardian angel deal, let's just say there is for the sake of argument, he must want to kill me 16 times a week. You know what I'm saying? Really? He must just like, like, Lord, I got the flaming sword right here. We could just, we could end this. You know, we could put Porky out of his misery, bring him into the glories, Lord. I can't watch this kid no more, you know. I'm sure of it. And every single time I find myself in a far-off place, like Jonah, what a story. 
What a story. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Where is it, Lord? Here, point it out to me. You know. And he's gone. I run. You'll never catch me, God. You idiot, Jonah. <laughs> you moron. You know. He's everywhere, Joe. You can't get away from him. Oh, I'm going to try. Why? I hate the Ninevites. He hated the Ninevites so bad, he convinced himself he could run away from God. He gets on a ship to go anywhere. Tarshish. I don't even know where that is. Just go. Just lay out the sails. Let's go. I got to get out of here. The farthest place from Nineveh. You know the story. The storm arises. The sailors who are pagans realize this is the hand of God. Now let's cast lots and see who's at fault. <laughs> and, and Jonah's like, oh, these pagans with your silly lots. <laughs> Whose lot is it? What? Which one? It's you. What did you do? I'm running. And he tells him, the only way God's going to save this ship, you got to throw me overboard. At that point in time, Jonah says, I know how to get away from God. I'll just die. I'll just die. You ever say that? You ever wake up and say, God, just take me. You ever been there? God, just take me. Get me out of here. Oh, look, a train. <laughs> God, just get me out of here. No, no, no. You don't belong to you. You belong to him. And so God sends a limousine to pick up Jonah. No, no. He sends a great fish. It doesn't say a whale in the Bible. It says a great fish. I think it was a megalodon. That's what I think it was. I think Jonah, he's in the water. He turns around. And he's in the stomach. But that's scientifically, it's not supposed to be scientific, for heaven's sakes. We're talking about the creator of the universe. We tell your atheist friend, I'm, I believe in the invisible man in the sky, Bob. With the talk of the invisible man in the sky, any talk of impossibility is poppycock to me. He can do anything. It says God prepared a fish. I don't know what the fish, maybe he had glowing lights, you know, like one of them deep sea things. And it swallowed Jonah up and three days and three nights. He's in the belly of this fish. Maybe or maybe not being digested slowly by acidic stomach juices. And then God sends this fish where? You guessed it, Nineveh. Now the Ninevites worship the half god, uh, excuse me, the god Dagon, who is half man and half fish. That's who the Ninevites worship. And now here, they're out there fishing. Hey, what's that, Bill? <laughs> I see a ripple. <laughs> I see a dorsal fin. It's the size of a pyramid. What is going on? And, then, and then the thing comes up on the shore. The big old whatever. And they probably, ah, you know what I mean? And it opens up its mouth. And, bleh! and with all the license plates and tires and everything else, out comes Jonah. Maybe half digested. You know what I mean? Give us the message. Three days and the judgment. And Nineveh repents. Listen to me. And Jonah still didn't learn a lesson. He gets mad when God forgives the Ninevites. And he goes up and sits on a hill waiting for God to destroy him. Guess what God does? He continues to mess with Jonah. He continues to mess with Jonah. He causes this beautiful vine to grow with a leaf to give him shade from the overhead Middle East sun. At least I have this stupid vine. If God's not going to destroy these people, I hope I just die here in the shade. Then God sends a worm, and it eats that plant, and the plant dies. 
And Jonah is just undone. What's the lesson for you and I? What's the lesson? Your peace, your joy, your happiness ain't in circumstances. And it ain't in things. And it's not in a place. It's not in a person. Your peace and your joy and your fulfillment is in the center of the will of God. That's the only place you're ever going to find it. I told you my testimony. I want it out of here. Get me out of Syracuse. You know, the wages of sin is Syracuse. You know, I got to go. Lord, please, please, please. No, 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 no. And so I went through a two-year desert, not going to church, not doing anything, just sitting home, you know. And I realized, I realized, what are you doing? God, name it. Name it. I want you to go back to Berea. No! think about that no go back to Berean and he opens the doors and he puts me here through a series of miracles and I'm in the center of God's will I'm the same jerk I was 20 years ago but I know whose I am and I know that I'm where he wants me to be and so I can stand here and say I'm the richest man in the world today And every one of you ought to feel the same way wherever you are because you ought to be finding yourself in the center of God's will. So Deuteronomy, uh, second law. Wow, this is the intro still. Uh, Second law, ah, forget these notes. The second law, here's the next generation because God does all these miracles. They get to the promised land. They see the giants. They see the hardships and they completely lose faith. So God says, you're not going to enter in because you can't enter into the promised land without faith. You can't enter into the relationship that God wants you to have with him without faith. You can't live that blessed life that God wants you to live, not based on circumstances, but based on your position in the center of God's will without faith. You need faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have to believe first that he is, and then he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Diligently, that means deliberately, that means intentionally, that means with purpose. Not getting up and going, okay, off to work, you know. I got my two chapters today. Where are we at? Oh, oh, Deuteronomy. You know. God, show me something here, Lord. Lord, show me something. You think God just wants you to read? I did my three fingers full. God wants you to be intentional when you approach the word of God. God wants you to be prayerful when you approach the word of God. God wants you to come to his word and he wants you to say, God, show me something for my life today. No matter how small it is, Lord, teach me. Show me if there's a wicked way in me. Lord, show me if I'm not exactly in the center of your will. And wherever you show me that I need to be, whatever you tell me that I need to do, God, I will do it. You watch him work then. You watch him work and you watch him jump off the pages into your heart and begin to teach you. We have to come to him diligently, deliberately, intentionally. That's a relationship. Guys, imagine you come home. How was your day? Good. What'd you do? Eh. Where are you going? Upstairs. For 25 years you do that. How's that relationship going to be? Listen, guys, you got to talk to her sometime. (laughs) You can't hide from her forever, okay? You got to talk to her. We don't want to talk. I just talked at work, okay, to a bunch of bad people. I have to go see the bad people every day. I come home. I just want to be, sh- I just want to be quiet. I want to shut up. You know what I mean? I'm going to go sit under a vine like Jonah. 
You have to be intentional and you have to be deliberate and you have to talk to your wife. Let me tell you how my day was. <laughs> What's going on here? What's going on in your life, honey? What's going on with the kids? Let's study the oh, deliberate, intentional. How many of us fall short in that? Same way I fall short in my relationship with God. It's okay to be where you are. It's not okay to stay there. That's the lesson. And it's the same lessons over and over and over again God, God teaches us through his word. And it always comes back to the same thing, guys. Seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. I've been seeking your face, not, not diligently. Not diligently. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit. And so God brings this second generation to the promised land, to the, to the gates of the promised land. And these guys believe. And these guys are willing to enter in, to receive God's promises, and to believe <clears throat> based on what he has said to them and what they've seen him do. They're willing to believe. And so Moses, in order to encourage them, tells them how awesome and dramatic their failure is going to be. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and we're going gonna, gonna to do a skim. Okay? Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses, verses 1 through 4, is a description of God, is a description of his beauty, is a description of how he loves his people. He is the rock, his work is perfect, all his ways are justice, he's the God of truth, he's without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Now, the next few verses is how the people are. <laughs> they have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father. He'll tell you. The elders, they'll tell you when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, and God goes through this thing, and how God led them, and how God, it says, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God in him. And then it comes. <laughs> All of the blessings, but then verse 15, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat. You grew thick. You are obese. Wow. That's tough love. You know what I'm saying? Jenny Craig would have no clients. When, you know what I'm saying? Jenny Craig, you walk in first thing, and the lady goes, holy cow, you're fat. You are thick. <laughs> That's a thick lady right there. Woo, you're obese. Can you imagine? Look <laughs> God's like, listen to me. Let, me. let me tell you what you look like in my eyes. I remember somebody talking about the red carpet, the Grammys, the, the, the Academy Awards, and the most beautiful people, right? What are you wearing tonight? Well, this is a Siobhan with a side of dazzle, bedazzle from the bedazzle stallion with the universe and the, the train, and it's just me. And then, wow, oh, it's so beautiful. Look at how, <laughs> that brings a tear to my eye. And God looks down from heaven and he sees, he sees, because our righteousness is filthy rags. What does my pride look like? And so God sees these bags of pus 
and skin riddled with leprosy, sores from head to toe, because they're completely lost in themselves, completely lost in themselves, and God calls it as it is. I'm doing pretty good. I'm going to the gym. 30, 30. You're fat. I mean, I'm running five miles now. You're thick. <laughs> I can bench. You're, you're obese. What this is spiritually, guys, is people trying to justify themselves. I'm doing okay. No, you're not. I think I'm pretty good. No, you're not. I think I'm very godly. No, you ain't. You've grown fat and now you're kicking. And the Lord of hosts who has saved you through the greatest miracle that's ever happened in the history of the universe when God took the flesh of a man and lived among us for 33 years and taught us the ways of God and showed us exactly what it looked like to live it out and then died in our place and rose to the right hand of the Father and lives there, the Bible says, forever to make intercession on our behalf and sealed us for the day of redemption for those who believe with the Holy Spirit and that same Holy Spirit gives us this power, this supernatural God-given power to live out this life. But Netflix is on. But the game is on. And listen, it's okay to watch Netflix. Don't get me, don't twist it up. It's okay to watch your game. It's okay to have fun. Listen to me, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. God gave it to you. It's no accident where you are. God has blessed you. Enjoy the blessing. Enjoy every day. Have as much fun as you possibly can because tomorrow it could be taken, right? But don't forget who gave it to you. And don't get your priorities backwards. I'm going to watch something on Netflix. What are you going to watch? I don't know. It's a show. There's 15 seasons. I'm watching it all tonight. I'm going to eat, my eyes are going to be like this, twitching, rolled back in my head. Bring me popcorn, you know. <laughs> Honey, you haven't seen the sun in a week, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to go watch this show. Well, I haven't really spent any time with the Lord today. Maybe I should, maybe I should do that instead. You understand what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with your show. Well, maybe. <laughs> Some of you, there's something really wrong with your show. And here's a list. No. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of your life. Remember, 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 remember the days of old. Remember where you came from and remember who it was that redeemed you and at what cost. And he happily gave, joyfully gave. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat at the right hand of the Father. What was the joy set before him? Heaven? He'd been there before. He'd seen it before. The joy before Jesus Christ was your saved soul. And the joy for him was sitting at the right hand of his Father, making intercession on your behalf. That's what it took to win you. Priorities priorities. Don't have any God before him. Don't put anything, prioritize anything before him. And if something in your life, whatever it may be, whoever it may be, if they're taking you away from your savior, they're an idol. And there's only one thing to do with an idol. Remove it. If your right eye causes you to sin, if your right hand causes you to sin, he's not talking about cutting your hands off, you know, gouging your eyes out. The things that you hold so dear. Some of you, we got things sometimes in our lives. It's like, I, well, can you take my hand instead, God? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Get rid of it if it's keeping you from God. Get rid of it if it's pulling you away from God. It's not worth it. And he commands it. So now they grew fat and they kicked. And God goes down through the rest of 32 and he gives them all the things that's going to happen to them. He spurned them, verse 19, because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. And he said, I'll hide my face from them. I will see what their ends will be. They are a perverse generation, children in whom uh, is no faith. Remember, without faith, it's not possible to please God. They've provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They've moved me to anger by their foolish idols. And he talks about rejecting them. So then all of these terrors come against them. I'll heap disasters on them. I'll spend my arrows on them. Um, so uh, God talks about the judgment. The sword will, shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within for the young man and the virgin. This is verse 25, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. And then verse 26, he begins to change again, okay? So because of the blessing, because of who I am, because of what I've done, I've done for them, and because of the fact that they've completely rejected me and cast me off, all of these judgments that I've promised I was going to do if they rejected my law, I am going to be a just God. I am going to judge just as I told them because I reserve the right to judge because I'm almighty God and I'm going to bring judgment upon them and I'm going to use these other nations around them, the very ones whom I idols and gods they worship will consume them. That's what sin is. It's leprosy. It's a consuming, rotting mold in your life. That's why God says, get rid of it under the law. Any spot of leprosy, any spot of mold in the house, you go to tremendous lengths, even if it means tearing the house down and rebuilding it to getting rid of that mold because it's only going to grow. It has to go. It has to go in your life because it's going to grow and it's going to rot everything around you. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. And so they faced God's judgment through the very gods they were worshiping, the nations of the gods they were worshiping. But then God turns around and says, I would have, had, I, I would have said, I'll dash them in pieces, I'll make the memory of them cease among the men, had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their enemies should misunderstand, and lest they should say, our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all of this. So God says, don't get it twisted. Never understand one thing. My will will be done. You know that about your God? His will will be done. His ways are above our ways. He is almighty God. And what he has said, he said, have I not said or have I said and will I not do? Will I not bring it to pass? I am almighty God. He made the promise he's going to keep it. However, he will not have these godless pagan nations rejoicing in their false gods as though it was because of their mighty hand and because of their false gods, they were able to have victory over God's people. There's only one answer that God will, will respect. There's only one thing that the enemy is allowed to say when God gives them victory over his people, and that is this. Because they forsook the Lord their God, because they forsook their rock, therefore... Have all these calamities come upon them? That's the only answer God will accept from the enemy. As soon as they start getting loud, it's time for a whooping. Because God is God, and he will not share his place with another. So then he goes from there about how he is going to unleash judgment upon those nations. He said, because, verse 32, for their vine is the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. 
Uh, and so, verse 35, vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. And God continues to talk about how he's going to bring judgment on them so that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everyone will know who he is and why he has done the things that he has done. And of course, God was going to bring all of this to pass in the history of the nation of Israel. He says, verse 39, Now see that I, even I, am he. There is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. You know who your God is? You think it's a joke? You think it's a game, right? God's judgment is real. We live in a perverse and a crooked generation who have rejected God, have rejected Jesus Christ, have rejected his commandments, and we are reaping the whirlwind because of it. And it ain't got squat to do with politics. We've rejected God in this country. Even those people who claim to be Christians, so many, it's in some false sense of patriotism or in some false sense of, of, of the Judeo-Christian ethic and morality that they think their righteousness is and not in the rock. They're not standing before the throne of God saying, woe is me, I am an unclean man of unclean lips. I'm undone before you, God. There's no repentance. You see, you see a lot of humility, okay? At the, did you see a lot of humility at the Trump parades? Hello, McFly. You bunch of Trumpsters, you. Did you see a lot of humility there? Okay, I like Trump's policies for the United States of America, the trade policies, making Jerusalem the capital, uh, the, the capital uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and some of these other things that he did. But that's a wicked man, okay? The proof is in the pudding, all right? I'm not judging that man's soul. I don't know where he's at with God okay? But I don't see a man who's got a heart of repentance and a humble heart who's standing and saying, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to do these things to try to get our nation back on track, but we need to repent. It was, I'm great and you suck. And that's our attitude. And we can't get along with people. They're supposed to be angry and hateful, not us. We're supposed to love unconditionally. And it doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It only matters who sits on the throne. It doesn't matter. Vote your conscience, guys. Vote for what you believe in. I hope you're pro voting pro-life more than anything else. We are wholesale slaughtering infants in this land. We are wholesale. It is an absolute holocaust. With, with, with absolute, no thought process. We don't care. We celebrate it in New York. That's the problem. It ain't Cuomo and his gun laws. That's what's really wrecking things. It's the immorality, friends. All this talk about freedom. There's no freedom outside of God's law. There's no freedom outside of righteousness. And we're not righteous. It is what it is. I'm not angry, I just seem that way. You know what I'm saying? I got problems. Maybe a chemical imbalance or two. Maybe if I take a drink. What time is it? Time to finish, Frank Lee says. How dare you? How dare you? You're grounded. Fourth width. What time is it? It really is. Well, it's 12. 
I got 20 minutes more. <laughs> Let me just finish, okay? <clears throat> God's going to be glorified. He's going to bring judgment when it's time to bring judgment, and nothing's going to stop it. No one. Again, certainly no political party, okay? Please, please. It's a joke. It's a joke. Nebuchadnezzar, they called him the king of kings. God said, who? What'd you call him? Call him that one more time. Call him king of kings one more time. And he drove Nebuchadnezzar out into the fields like a beast for years until he bent the knee. You're the king. You better believe it. Now go on back like I told you. God's worried about America. What are we going to do? His will is going to be accomplished. Boom, just like that. If, listen, that's where my hope is. That's where it all lies. It's in him. He's going to be magnified. So Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all of the, I don't know how she had a kid when she was a nun. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really, I'm sorry. Lord, I apologize. So, so Moses came with Joshua, the son of, I got problems, okay? And spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. And it's a song. Can you imagine singing this to your kids? Let me sing you a song, sweetie. Lord's going to send his arrow. He's going to fill up with your blood. You know what I mean? Like, how did they sing this song? You know what I mean? Mountains are going to crumble. Everyone's going to die. You know, hope we don't get a needle in the eye. You know, this is the song. But I mean, it's God's will. It's God's word. It's prophetic. It's beautiful. Maybe they didn't sing it. Okay, for heaven's sakes. Moses finished speaking all these words to Israel. And he said to them, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you. Here it is, guys. He's talking about the word of God. He's not going to be talking about just the law, just for the Jews. He's talking about the word of God. Okay, the Bible you have in your lap today. For it is not a futile thing for you. Because it is your life. And by this word, you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. And then the Lord spoke to Moses the very same day, saying, Go up this mountain, all of Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession, and die. <laughs> this is good. Now, go, now listen, you're going to go on a hike? And then I want you to just, just die. Yeah, I'm done. I'm, thank you. Thank you for your help. Thank you for all you've done. And we're done here. Okay, just go die. Time for you to die. On the mountain which you ascend and be imitate some. You know how Moses died? <laughs> That's how Moses died. I pray to God I die that way. You know what I'm saying? It's, probably, it's not probable. It's probably going to be more like, ah, you know, the big one. <laughs> uh, or, or <laughs> over the bars. Um, but Moses... Moses knew who his creator was. He knew who his redeemer was. I guarantee you Moses went up there with a smile on his face because God says, let me tell you something, Moses. Now you're going to be able to see me face to face. I, you couldn't see me before, Moses. I had to hide you in the cleft of the rock and just allow my goodness to pass. You're going to see me face to face, Moses. And you don't even know what else. You don't even know what else in this same mountain, Moses. I'm going to bring you and Elijah to talk to my son, and you're going to see him glorified. Moses, you, whew, it's just, we're just getting started here, buddy. And Moses died like this. <gasps> you know what I mean? I want to die like that. 
Like Jacob, all of his sons and his grandsons come in and he blesses them all and he prophesies over them and then it drew up his legs into the bed, it says, and he went, and went to be with his fathers. Don't you want to go like that? Precious in the eyes of God are the death of his saints. Precious is what death is to a saint. Precious. I can't wait. Rapture would be better, but I'll take any way I can get it, okay? I love it. And die on the mountain which you ascend and be gathered to your people, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Because, Moses, remember, you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel, yet you shall see the land before you go. Uh, uh, you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there, into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. And that concludes the life of Moses. What a life. What a man. And what a testimony of a person used of God when they come to the end of themselves and they say, I, I got nothing, God. I, I, don't got, I ain't got the tools anymore. Remember when Mickey said that to Rock? <laughs> you got the heart, kid, but you ain't got the tools no more, you know. And that's what Moses <laughs> said to God. And God said, finally, I'm ready to use you now at 80. And look what God did. What a life. What a testimony. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for you. Uh, thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we've been sealed for the day of redemption, Lord God. Thank you that we have this fellowship together as believers. Thank you for this place where we are free to gather and worship you, Lord. That is enough. Help us to see it that way, Lord. Help us to focus our attention on you, Lord. Help us to focus our life and our lives, endeavors, and pursuits on you, Father. May everything fall within the boundaries of your will for our life, Lord. So we're not, <clears throat> we don't find ourselves running and we don't find our hearts in despair, Lord, uh, and lacking joy and peace. Help us to be where you want us to be, Lord. We love you and we praise you and thank you, Father. Have your way in us this week, Lord. And we pray, Lord, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here that you would use them this week, Lord, to touch someone's life. I pray, Father, that you would be with them and that your spirit would speak through them, Lord, into someone's life this week, whoever it may be, that you would use them. Help us to be open. Help us to have eyes to see, Lord, and to be looking for that opportunity. And Lord, help us to express the truth with all of your love and with all of your grace, Father, and none of our emotions, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done and what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, saints.